0: In our marriage, as we relate to our spouse, we predominantly see the other person's attitudes, temperament, and behavior expressed in various situations. This message teaches us how to personally develop Christ-like attitudes, a spirit-controlled temperament, and word-governed behavior. Your marriage is about to be transformed.
1: We understand that the world, the natural world, was framed, was brought into existence, was constructed, was created, was shaped... By the word of God. So that the things which are seen. What, what is visible to us. It came out of the invisible. So what we must understand. Very important thing is this. That this natural world. Came out of the spiritual world. The word of God was the spiritual material. So to speak. That brought into existence this natural world. Which means Everything in this natural world is subject to the word of God. These Things in this natural world are temporal. They can be changed. God's word is eternal. It will never change. God's word is more powerful than the circumstances and situations you, you and I are facing. Everything we are facing is subject to the authority and the power of the word of God. So... If we bring the word of God to bear on our situation, on our circumstance, what is going to prevail? Your circumstance or the word of God? The word of God. Because the word of God is more powerful, It's eternal. It's what created, what brought into existence things. So if you bring the word of God to bear on your circumstance, on your situation, there's only one thing that will change. It's the circumstance that's going to change. And the way you bring God's word to bear on your circumstance, situation, is by you speaking that word into your circumstance, into your situation. Are you with me? So speak the word. For example, and we all know this, uh, Jesus and his disciples were in the boat. They were going across, uh, um, across the lake. Jesus said, let's get to the other side. And he went to sleep. But there was a storm. A not nice situation. That threatened their lives. The boat was about to sink. What did Jesus do? When he came up, he declared the word. He spoke. He said, peace be still. Just the word that was spoken, the word of faith spoken, brought that situation in control. So what what you and I must learn is that every situation, every circumstance we face is subject to the word of God. I will not yield myself to the circumstance, I will yield or submit myself to the word of God. I'll go with the word. And I will bring the word to bear on my situation, my circumstance, my until it changes. And the way I'm going to do it is by speaking that word in faith over my circumstance, over my situation. Amen? So that's why we make our declaration. We train ourselves to say what God says. So let's please stand up to our feet this morning. If you brought your Bible... Just as a sign that you believe the word and it's above everything else lifted high up in the air. And uh, let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered redeemed I'm blessed victorious prosperous triumphant I'm a minister of God a servant of Christ and a channel of his blessing to many people I receive his word I believe his word and I live by his word Christ is my master and to him I am in absolute surrender In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. Why don't you shake hands with the person next to you, tell them who you are, what's their name, what do they do, say hello, get to know them, and then please be seated. This is part three in our series on marriage and family. And um, just to make a few comments here before we get into this morning's message. Uh, First of all, as we go through this entire series on marriage and family, like we mentioned last Sunday, uh, we realize there are people here who are in different stages of life. Uh, Some of us are, uh, uh, some of you are single, uh, uh, not married yet, uh, and uh, so it's still something way ahead in the future. Uh, Some amongst us, maybe just newly married, some married for a while, and some others Uh, who've gone on into other stages in life. We uh, we also recognize that there could be people who are, you know, maybe going through a difficult time in your marriage currently. Uh, There could be people who are separated. Uh, The people have gone through a divorce. Uh, Some have lost their spouse. And so uh, we want to be mindful and respectful uh, of uh, each one's stage and situation in life. Uh, And yet at the same time, we uh, want to speak the truth. We want to present the word of God. Uh, but please understand that sometimes, uh, even though what we say might uh, hurt, uh, it might, uh, uh, you know, uh, not be comfortable hearing these things because just because of various experiences in life. Please understand, we do not come uh, with any sense of judgment or criticism when we do this, but uh, we're doing it uh, purely to build up God's people. Are you with me? Amen. Uh, we here because we want to edify the people of God. We want to build up God's people. Uh, sometimes the truth hurts because we know oh, we fall short of it or we've gone through experiences. We've had things that are, that, that, that are difficult. And so uh, we want to be mindful of that. Even as we bring the word of God, we want to do it uh, as uh, lovingly as possible yet without compromising what the, the standards set for us in the word of God. Uh, the um, the uh, other thing also I want to mention here is that uh, you know, those of us who are ministering in all our locations, and Gene, who also, and myself, will be uh, teaching here at Central. Uh, you know, we do not come uh, bring these teaching as though we are perfect; that we, you know, we score hundred on hundred all the time uh, in marriage. We don't do it from that perspective. We do it as students ourselves. Uh, we are going through this ourselves. We are learning. We're growing in these things. We just want to bring uh, what we've learned and understood from the Word of God and experience in our own lives. Uh, to you. But we do that with all humility. Uh, one, one thing I want to add for young people, um, you know, usually Saturday mornings, we do a pastor's conference call. That means all the pastors of our location, we are a conference call. We discuss the sermon just to, uh, and we also take feedback and all that. We do that Saturday mornings. And so yesterday when we were having the conference call, uh, one of the locations' feedback was, you know, the young people are thinking, uh, how can I relate to this message on marriage? You know, it's, uh, it's all for the married people, you know. Uh, but then I, I tried to emphasize to our pastors, and I want to share that with us as well. Uh, young people, those of you who are not yet married, uh, from this morning as we start talking about marriage and, and start talking about uh, uh, various aspects of the married life, understand two things. One is, uh, many of the things we talk about uh, are relevant just to normal everyday life. Like the message this morning although it's positioned for people who are in marriage is relevant for even those who are not married. Uh, and so please uh, bear that in mind and don't de- tune off saying oh that's for my dad and mom you know make sure they're listening, you know? <laughs> No, it's it's for all of us uh, and even if you're single much of what we're going to be saying throughout this entire series uh, will be valuable to you. And secondly, You know, uh, I told the pastor uh, yesterday, I said, you know, I wish some of these things were taught to me 20 years ago before I got married. So I could have been a better husband and a better father. You know, uh, I wish somebody told me all these things 20 years ago. Right? I think I would have done a better job. And so I would speak to our young people and say, don't wait after you get married to learn these things. Learn them now. Before you get married, you know we do that for all other things in life. You don't become a doctor and then learn how to treat patients. Oh, nobody come to you. You know what do you do? You first go through medical school. You learn everything. Uh, you practice some, and then you get into being a doctor. We do this in everyday life, and so why don't we do that in marriage as well? First, learn what is this all about. And then get into it. You'll do a whole lot better. Young people, amen? Okay, some are there. <laughs> Alright. Uh, this morning, we're in chapter 5 uh, of that book that will come to you in your time. Uh, uh, we want to talk about a very important aspect about marriage. Uh, uh, and it's, we want to talk about attitudes, temperament, and behavior. Attitudes, temperament, and behavior now no matter what a person looks like he or she comes packaged with their attitudes temperament and behavior no matter how brilliant a person may be he may be brilliant but he, he or she comes packaged along with their attitudes temperament and behavior. You can't separate that. Or maybe they're very highly skilled, very highly talented, wonderful people, great talent, great skill, but they come packaged along with their attitudes, along with their temperament, along with their behavior. So you could have a colleague in your workplace. He may be brilliant, but just so difficult to sit next to because of his terrible attitude. And you can't separate the two. You can't isolate these two things. And you may have great preachers; they may preach great sermons, but once they get off the pulpit, you got to deal with their attitudes, temperament, and behavior. You don't separate their anointing from you know their who they're the gift from who they are as a person. So the point is this: that when we relate to people, when we relate to each other, most of the time we are interfacing, we are contacting each other's attitudes temperament and behavior. And that's why this becomes so important, even in the context of marriage. And everything we say today, you can take and apply it to any other area of life, not just marriage, but we are speaking from the context of marriage. So when two people get married, whatever that draws them together, whether it's their intellect or appearance or whatever else that drew them together, when they're living together, you're spending time together, you're actually interfacing with each other's attitudes, temperament and behavior. Most of the time. And that's why this becomes so important. It it becomes important from two levels. One, at a personal level, I need to make sure that when I'm relating to my spouse, I'm having the right attitudes, temperament and behavior that are healthy, that are going to build up the marriage, that are going to build up my home and my family. And secondly, it all becomes important from my understanding my spouse. That I need to understand his or her attitudes, temperament, and behavior. If we are going to build this marriage together. Are you with me so far? So we're going to talk about these things. One of the feedback that came from last Sunday was, it's like, pastor, we come to church and you're doing open heart surgery. (laughs) So like, you know, welcome this morning to the operating theater. (laughs) Uh, let the Holy Spirit do His work. Um, so we're going to talk about these three things, and what I want to present to us is the biblical standard that God has set for all of us as believers when it comes to this thing of attitudes, temperament, and behavior. What is a standard? What is what is a God's? What does God's word say? I know psychology will say a lot of things about these three uh, three areas. Uh, 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 there are a lot of perspectives and ideas. But what does the Bible say? What does God say for every believer? And I want to present that to us and then challenge us to live up to that. First of all, the Bible calls us to have Christ-like attitudes. Our attitudes must be Christ-like. And there are several places in Scripture, several passages in Scripture that bring to us what Christ-like attitudes would be. For instance, in Philippians chapter 2, Verses 3 to 5, uh, Paul writes about Jesus he, and, he, and, he, and then he tells us what kind of attitudes we should have because we are called to have his kind of attitude. It starts off in verse 3, he says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or cheap desire to boast. Be humble towards one another, considering others better than yourselves. Uh, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. The attitude you should have is the one Jesus had. Let's put our right hands up and say this together. The attitude I should have is the one that Jesus had. So we're all called to have Christ-like attitudes. Be like Him in your attitude. And then He explains to us, He says, you know, Though he, was, he had the nature of God, he didn't think, think that he had to hold on to that position to remain equal with God. Instead of his own free will, he gave up all he had. Uh, he, became, he took on the form of a servant. He became like a human being. He appeared in human likeness. He was humble. He walks the path of obedience to his death. So just have his attitude. What is it? It's one of selflessness, one of sacrifice, not insisting on his own rights. He gave it up, he humbled himself, he became a servant, he walked in obedience, and the Bible says, have that kind of an attitude. Are you with me? As Christians, as believers, we're supposed to have Christ-like attitudes. And when you look through the rest of the New Testament, you see numerous places, and I'll just mention some of them. In Ephesians 5 and verse 20, it says, you know, always give thanks. So what's the attitude of a believer? He's always thankful. First Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Be joyful always. Pray all times. Be thankful in all circumstances. So what's the attitude? What's Christ-like attitude? Being joyful, being thankful, being prayerful. Philippians 2, 14-15. Do everything without complaining or arguing. So no complaining, no arguing. That's a Christ-like attitude. Uh, Be be innocent and pure as God's perfect children. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Be joyful. Rejoice. Have a gentle attitude towards everybody. Don't worry about anything. Have a thankful heart. Walk in God's peace. And what kind of things do you think about? Verse 8. Think about things that are good, praise, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, honorable. James 1 says, brethren, count it all joy when you... Go through various trials. Have faith and patience. So what is the attitude of a believer? These are the right kind of attitudes. Are you with me? It's expected of all of us. It doesn't say, you know, those of you who have a predisposition to be happy all the time, you be joyful. The others who are gloomy, it's okay. Rejoice when you come to heaven. It doesn't say that. It says, right now, here on earth, when you're going, even if you're going through trials, come to joy. That's Christ-like attitude. We have no excuse not to walk Christ-like. Amen? But pastor, I was born with a bad attitude. We'll talk about it a little later. This is God's standard. And there are many other scriptures. I'll skip that. And the point is this, that you know, uh, uh, and and we can talk about all of these good attitudes, and then the the, the opposite of this are bad attitudes, what we would call as bad attitudes, the wrong kind of attitudes. And, And we can try to mention these things like anger and arrogance and argumentative, blaming others, bitterness, controlling, condescending, complaining, critical, cunning, cynical, Demanding, depressive, dishonest, dissatisfaction, discontentment, deceptive, envy, greed, guilt, hatred, uh, indifference, intolerance, insecurity, irresponsibility. And we can, we can just name all these different things. These are the wrong attitudes, wrong kind of things, and the Bible tells us not to have them. And when we have a bad attitude, what happens? We tend to see situations. We tend to see everything in the worst possible way. Uh, Negativity and pessimism. It paints and taints everything we see, say and do. We become unhappy. Those around us, we make them miserable. So your bad attitude affects everybody around you. And then you're wondering why things are not going nice. Your attitude influences your expectation, your experience, and your exit. How you enter something, how you journey through something, how you come out of something is affected by your attitude. Just you know, drawing a contrast here. Think of two people. Let's say one person has a good attitude, one person has a bad attitude. Uh, let's just say you know they decide uh, to go on a trip. The person with the good attitude, is, wow. I'm going to go on a trip. Sure, I've taken care of things, you know, make sure the car's running, running, right, everything, everything. And, and, and they're looking for the excitement. The person with a bad attitude, oh man, did he check all the tires? One of them would go flat today. You know, make sure we run out of gas. Oh, they're always thinking the negative. What could go wrong? The person with a bad attitude is has gone through it, but he's not looking at what could go wrong. He's going to enjoy the trip. So how you enter into something is determined by attitude. while one are making the journey. The person with good attitude is like, wow, this is nice. Sure, the traffic may be rough, but you know, that's fine. It, there's bad traffic everywhere. Whether you go to Chennai, Bangalore, everywhere. Make, make it through. And, uh, and the person with bad attitude, oh no, I told you we should have left one hour earlier. You
0: know?
1: <laughs> or, 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 you know, I told you we should not have gone out today. We should have stayed home. It's bad attitude. Not enjoying the journey. Unless uh, let's say they come out of town, they go into the village, and there are cows crossing the roads. Chicken, goats, everything. The person with the good attitude says, Wow man, we don't get to see this in the town. At least it's nice, enjoy it. The person with the bad attitude, these cows never get off the street, you know. Oh, always complaining about things. They drive through a village and you get the smell, you know, manure and counter. The guy, the, the the person, the good idea says, "Wow, we don't get to do this in town. You know? We don't get it. It's really nice." Mm. <laughs> the person, with the bad idea is like, "Man, I enjoy the air conditioning in the office. <laughs> it's like this is bad, terrible. Kind of roll up the windows, you know." And. And, it's, and then, how you leave, the, how you leave, that, experience, leave that journey is det- how you exit is also determined by attitude. The, and sure, there are going to be challenges in everything in life. Nothing comes you know, on, a gold, uh, on a, a gold platter. There are going to be challenges in everything in life, but your attitude determines what you do through those challenges. And when you exit, the person with the good attitude says, Yeah, there were challenges of ups and downs, but hey, I learned these things. I've come out stronger. I'm better. The person with the bad attitude says, Man, I will never do that again. Your attitude determines how you enter, how you experience, and how you exit. It's the same thing. And here's what I want to mention to you, you and me. That negative attitudes and behaviors do not help us be Christ-like. I can never imagine Jesus grumbling, complaining, criticizing, pointing fingers. It's not like Jesus. Get it right. It's not Christ-like. And we are called to have Christ-like attitudes. Now, negative attitudes and behaviors, we either learn them or uh, we develop negative emotions. We, you know, we go through situations in life and um, we get these things in our lives. Uh, and, and these need to be addressed. They need to be uh, dealt with and we will talk about how, what's God's antidote to these things. But here's what I want us to understand that attitude is a choice. It's something you choose. It's not forced upon you. It's what you choose. We all we all have the liberty to make the choice to have Christ-like attitudes. You have the liberty, the choice, uh, the freedom to choose to ha- be joyful in difficult situations. You have the choice, you can the liberty to make that choice. You can choose to look at it differently. And we can ask the Lord to bring about change. The second thing I want to talk about is, as far as temperament is concerned, the Bible tells us that we're all supposed to have what we can call as a spirit-controlled temperament. A spirit-controlled... All right. let's say this first thing. thing, I want to make sure you're awake. First one, Christ-like attitude. That's what I have. The second thing we're going to talk about is the Bible calls us to have a spirit-controlled temperament. Now, just a little bit of psychology here. Uh, Broadly speaking, you look at a person, you would either say he's an introvert or an extrovert. You know, generally people fall into one of these two categories. Uh, Or uh, if you you want to take a little further, uh, although this is not scientifically accepted, not medically accepted... Uh, generally, this provides a framework. Uh, the four personality types: uh, the sanguine, the choleric, the phlegmatic, me- melancholic. Uh, these are, are, you know, this was first put forward by Hippocrates many, many, many years ago. I think like 300 BC or something. Uh, and it continues on till today. But it's not necessarily scientific. It's not medically accepted. But it's a framework in psychology uh, that talk about personality types, and and uh, basically all of us uh, are a blend of these four personality types is what they tell us and uh, we may have a dominant type and a secondary type and so you know it's a good framework framework to talk about uh, 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 and so on and of course there are other theories on personality types and on but here's what I want to bring to our attention regardless of what your personality type is and fine we understand it we recognize we're all different Uh, We have our strengths, our weaknesses, our characteristics, we have our traits uh, of personality. We recognize all that, we acknowledge the differences. But regardless of what our personality type is, we are all as believers called to walk in the Spirit. Or live Spirit-filled lives. We're all called to do that. Regardless of your personality. What does it mean to walk filled with the Spirit? It means that I am so, quote-unquote, controlled by the Spirit. When I use the word control, I do not mean the Holy Spirit overrides our will or that He comes in and He just possesses us. That's not it. Control means we are in cooperation with the Spirit of God. We are yielded to His influence or presence in our lives. But to be Spirit-controlled means I am so yielded to Him that His nature and character is seen through my personality, is seen through who I am. Are you with me? So, what overrides my personality? His nature and character should override my personality. That's why the Bible says, we are all called to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. I'm so Overwhelmed under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That His nature and character overrides and comes through my personality. So when people see me, yes, I may have a certain personality type, but overriding all of that comes forth the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith. And all of us, without any exception, are called to walk in the Spirit. Amen? Which means at home. You know, the husband could be a choleric, or the wife could be a sanguine or whatever, you know, pick your type, whatever it is. But both are to walk in the Spirit. Manifesting the fruit of the Spirit to one another. Amen? Amen? That's how we're going to understand and build our relationship. And thirdly, as far as behavior is concerned, we're all called to have a word-governed behavior. That means my behavior, my actions, my communication, my decisions, the things I say and do, my behavior has to be aligned and submitted to the word of God. We're all called to do that, no exception. Jesus put it very simply like this in John 14, verse 15. He said, If you love me, you obey me. If you love me, submit yourself, align yourself to what I've taught, to what I've said. Obey my commandments, is what Jesus said. Means none of us are exempt from aligning our behavior to the standards of the Word of God, no exemption. All of us believers. Are you with me so far? As believers, what's our standard when it comes to attitudes, temperament, and behavior? We're all called to walk in a Christ-like attitude, to have a spirit-controlled temperament, and to have a behavior that's governed, aligned to the Word of God. Look at some things, what the Word of God commands us uh, in terms of our behavior. In 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, let's just skip that. We go to First Peter chapter 3. It says, uh, in this way, your husbands uh, live with your wives with proper understanding uh, that, uh, that they are more delicate than you. Treat them with respect. Uh, verse 8 says, uh, you must all have the same attitude, the same feelings. So how can we have a common attitude and common feeling? Because we're all walking as Christ-like. Christ-like attitude. All have the same attitude, the same feelings. Love, be kind, be humble. Verse 9, 1 Peter 3 says, uh, Do not pay back evil for evil or cursing for cursing. I means no retaliation happening. That's, that's not acceptable behavior. But what? Pay back with a blessing. That's acceptable behavior. Verse 10, keep from speaking evil. Stop telling lies. Verse 11, do good. Strive for peace. So this is word governed behavior. This is the behavior expected of a believer. Amen? Now, some of you might be thinking, maybe I should quit being a believer now. Because <laughs> this is really too much. So let's talk about personal transformation. Because all of us don't start there. All of us are flawed. Uh, we have our weaknesses. We may, in, we may be innately carrying some wrong attitudes. Our temperament may be you know, just totally off. Small things can cause us to blow up, get angry, whatever. We may have behaviors that are not acceptable. And, and you know, I've been a Christian, a believer for a long time, and even now I, I, I blow blow up. I make things, I do things wrong. And I was trying to think of something uh, last week, last year. Uh, we were having this power to change campaign, and I was part of the part that you know the team that. The team that was planning and all of that, and uh, when they finally brought, when they actually brought us in, there were sort of certain disagreements. On, on, I was very strongly against certain things, certain things that they wanted to do, the way they wanted to do it. And uh, uh, we were, I was trying to explain myself, and uh, you know, through the group emails and explain my position. And finally, they called for a meeting, and I remember, you know, I walked into that meeting with a very bad attitude because I was really worked up. I said, "Guys, these these guys are not getting what I'm saying." You know, I've spoken it in the meetings. I've explained myself in emails. They're not getting it. So I went into that meeting with a very bad attitude. Um, you know, this is like with other pastors and you know, <laughs> big names, big, big people there. We had this meeting, and I couldn't control myself. I got up, went to the whiteboard, I started writing these things down. I said, "Look, guys, this is why I'm saying we should not do these things." I, I, and you know, I was very agitated, very st- strong. And anyway. That meeting got over. But then, you know, after that, I felt so bad. I said, man, I know I wanted to make my point. I know I wanted to, things to go a certain way. I know all that. But my attitude was bad. The way I did it was bad. And then I said, you know, I mean, I realized that I sent an apology letter to all those people in the meeting. I said, sorry for my bad behavior and all that. Oh. Uh, but the point I want to get across is, look, even today, after being a believer for so many years, sometimes even I lose it. I, 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 I may have a bad attitude in certain moment, and, and I do something wrong. So, chill, relax. <laughs> uh, but this is our standard. I'm calling us to the standard set for us in God's word. To have a Christ-like attitude. To have a spirit-controlled temperament. And... Uh, to have a word-governed behavior. We need to live up to that. How can we do that? I want to bring to us these four keys that are given to us in the New New Testament that bring about personal transformation, regardless uh, of what temperament you were born in. Remember, your temperament is is a choice you make, and you can always unlearn something and learn something. It's you're not a prisoner of what you were born with. You're not a prisoner of what you were raised up with. You can always change. It's in your control. And here are four keys, transformation keys in scripture that bring about, that help us experience change. And uh, you might be familiar with this, but I just want to bring it to our attention. I'm not going to explain it all in entirety. The first one is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He not only bore my sin, but He broke the power of sin over my life. Which means if there is any behavior that is sinful, that's a sinful lifestyle, I can look to the cross and say the power of that sinful lifestyle, that sinful behavior pattern, addictive behavior or whatever, that behavior is broken, the Bible says I am no longer a slave to sin. So the power of the cross sets me free from sinful behavior patterns and lifestyles. The power of the cross also brings wholeness to me. So emotionally, if I'm carrying anger, hate, unforgiveness, uh, emotionally if I'm hurt and all of that, wholeness comes to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. I can look to the cross and say, God, I may have been abused, I may have gone through all these wrong things in life, and therefore emotionally I'm so hurt, I'm wounded, etc., etc. But the cross brings wholeness and makes each one of us whole. And we start out from there. So yes, I am flawed. But the cross brings wholeness. It's the power of the cross. And the cross also encourages me to forgive others as I have been forgiven. When I look to the cross and see the magnitude of God's forgiveness extended to me. Then I say, sure, I can forgive other people. Love them. Because as he loved me. The second transformational key found in the new testament scripture is who we are in christ if we live out of our natural identity if we live out on the basis of our own accomplishments if we live out on the basis of our own success and failures it's a very poor thing to live out of because uh, some of us have nothing but we are in christ When we are born again, we are spiritually one with Him. We come into Him and God tells us to live out of our identity, our unity in Christ. Amen? And that's why a statement we often say and repeat when we teach on the subject of who we are in Christ is, who we are in Christ is who we really are. So let's say this together. Who I am in Christ is who I really am. That's your true identity. That's your true position. That's your true worth. That's your true value. Uh, Who you are in Christ, that's your identity. So then, this issue of self-esteem, of self-worth, poor self-esteem, all of that just melts away when I begin to live out of who I am in Christ rather than of my own natural uh, situations and circumstances. When I begin to view situations, when I as who I am in Christ, I see myself as more than a conqueror. When I look at difficulties, I see, yes, every challenge can be conquered because I'm in Christ and He is a conqueror. Amen. So we are all, as believers, called to live out of our identity in Jesus Christ. You and I choose to live out of that identity. And that brings about transformation. So no longer struggling with, you know, poor self-image and self-esteem and all that's gone. Why? Because my self-image and my self-esteem, it's not based on my natural abilities. It is based on who God has made me in Christ. That's it. It settles everything. In Him, I'm blessed. I'm victorious. I'm prosperous. I'm triumphant. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. He causes me to triumph in every circumstance and every situation. In Him, the devils are scared of me. I'm not scared of the devil. In him, every situation is underneath my feet. In him, I overcome. In him, I rule and reign in life. In him, I'm the righteousness of God. I'm accepted and beloved. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. So I live out of that. And that's true for each one of us. Amen? So these two things, the first two, the cross... And who our identity in Christ are things God has already done for us. We don't have to strive for it. All we have to do is receive it. Embrace it and say, God, you've done it for me. I receive it. I'm walking in it. Amen? Then there are two other transformational keys which we must engage in an ongoing basis. The third is the renewing of my mind. Romans 12 is a scripture we all know, but God says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect in the eyes of God. So the renewing of a mind is an ongoing process. It's how I live with a renewed mind. What is a renewed mind? A renewed mind is a mind that chooses to lay aside the thoughts and ways of the world and embraces the thoughts and ways of God. That's a renewed mind, a a reprogrammed mind, a mind that looks at things from God's perspective. So, if I walk with a renewed mind, my attitude, my temperament, my behavior is going to be totally different than if I walked with a carnal or a worldly mind. For instance, when you have 5,000 people to feed... The worldly mind says, from where can you get bread to feed 5,000 people? The renewed mind says, what do you have? Five loaves, two fish, let's pray. That's the renewed mind. It's a mind that looks at the situation from God's perspective. If God wants something done, it will get done. That's the renewed mind. The carnal worldly mind is always you know, it's very analytical, very good. Nothing wrong with all of that. But take a step up and look at it from God's perspective. And if God says do, it'll get done. Our renewed mind says, Master, don't you care? We're all dying. You know, you're telling the creator of the universe that he can't hold up the boat you're sleeping in. Or he's sleeping in. The renewed mind comes and says, peace, be still. This storm can be conquered. The renewed mind looks at things from God's perspective. His ways, his thoughts. And that's what transforms my attitudes, my personality, my behavior. Because now I'm not thinking and acting in line with the world. But I'm thinking and acting in line with God's. Transforms my attitudes. My behavior. My temperament. Therefore, I can do everything the Bible says. I can be joyful in all times. I can be thankful in all times. In every situation, I can still be happy. I can look at what the glass, you know, probably the glass is half full rather than half empty. I can do all of that. Why? Because my attitudes are governed by a renewed mind. Thinking from a different perspective. With the word of God. Our possibilities in the Word of God. The fourth transformation key given to us in Scripture, uh, uh, which which we've already spoken about, is to walk in the Spirit. Meaning, every day, every moment, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you cover me, you fill my being. I'm walking influenced by the Holy Spirit, governed by Him. Are you with me so far? It transforms. My attitudes, my temperament, my behavior. In fact, the Bible says, when I'm walking in the Spirit, Ephesians 5 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Meaning, when I'm walking in the Spirit, I'm walking with a heart that always has a song. I'm walking with a heart that's always thankful. I'm walking with a heart that is that, that, that is submitted, that's yielded. It's not insisting on its own way. It's not afraid to give yield. It's not afraid to walk in submission. Why? Because I, I'm filled with the Spirit. I know God's in control. He will bring me through. I don't have to insist on my own rights, my own ways. And when I'm walking in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5 says, and if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Meaning, all my wrong desires, my wrong behavior patterns are crucified when I walk in the spirit. He controls me, influences me. And you know, all of us as believers have all these four keys available to us. All of us can draw from the power of the cross. All of us can live out of our identity in Christ. All of us can renew our minds and all of us and walk filled with the Spirit. Amen? So now, when I bring this to bear into my marriage, into my relationship with my spouse, what does it mean to me? It means I need to ask, I need to maintain Christ-like attitudes, spirit-controlled temperament, and a word-governed behavior when I relate to and understand my spouse. Is that doable? Oh God, that's that's too much. (laughs) Absolutely, too much. (laughs) In church on Sunday morning is okay. No, at home, every day, in the way you relate to your spouse, Christ-like attitude, a spirit-controlled temperament, and a word-governed, behavior is what God wants us to walk in. So you can do this little exercise when you go home, when you relate to your spouse, about relating to your spouse. Think about this, you know. In my thoughts, my perceptions, my actions, my communication. In my thoughts, what do I think about my spouse? My perceptions, how do I view my spouse? In my actions, what, I, what do I do to and for my spouse? In my communication, what I say to and about my spouse. Am I Christ like? Am I spirit controlled? Am I word governed? Think about it. Pray about that. And even when it comes to understanding your spouse, in my thoughts, and in, her, in my spouse's thoughts, how do I better understand what he or she is really thinking and feeling? In perceptions, how do I better understand his or her point of view? In actions, how can I better understand his or her actions? In communication, how, how can I better understand what he or she really is saying? I bring this to bear. Say, so God help me in this. Before we close this morning, we're going to pass out a handout to all of us, and uh, I request our sisters to go and do that. You'll need a pen to work on this. Oh, it's already 12:30. All right. Uh, don't worry; it's not an exam or anything. Uh, we're not, it's, not gonna, it's not a test on how were you listening to the sermon or not uh, it's just a little exercise, a little tool uh, to do an attitude check so I'm going to give you maybe 10 minutes 10 minutes, maybe less than 10 minutes for all of us just to work through this exercise here so you're, you're going to get a sh- two sheets of paper and uh, there's a little box, uh, there's a little table there with three sections. The first section has to deal with uh, personal life. So, every one of us can just tick through those things there in personal life. Uh, Even if you are single, you can work through that. Just to get a An understanding of where you are in terms of attitude, temperament, and behavior. Are we really in the place where we should be with Christ-like attitudes, a spirit-controlled temperament, and a word-governed behavior? Just take a few minutes to read that and and take it home with you. Don't leave it here so you could go back and reflect on it. And uh, then we're going to take a few moments to pray. All of this will be in the manual that you'll be getting hopefully later this month, uh, which has the entire series on marriage and family. And uh, this is just a print of... Uh, Couple of pages from that manual. Uh, thought we could work on it. So, if you don't mind, uh, I think you you prefer doing it at home. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll just wait till everything is distributed, and then you can go home and do it. Okay. Uh, maybe you're like too conscious about the person next to you. let <laughs> No, we'll just go ahead and distribute it, then we're going to pray. Uh, But take this back with you, take it home. And uh, later today maybe, or uh, tomorrow morning when you have some time, uh, try to work through this. Just to, it's like a self-check, check on your attitude, where you are. For those of you married, there's a section on relating to your spouse, and those of you with children on how you're relating to your children. So just do a little check. It's not necessarily comprehensive. It doesn't cover everything. But it has a few things that you could look at. The other thing we have presented there, on I think it's on page 64, is uh, for husbands and wives, if you could agree together to hold each other accountable for good attitude and behavior. So there's some examples there where if you see your spouse, I mean, you, first of all, must agree together to do this. Don't just start doing it. Don't go home and say, hey, my pastor told me I need to hold you responsible for good. No. You agree together to do it, and then you do it, okay? Otherwise, you'll end up like you become a policeman or a policewoman. Uh, But if you agree together, then you could say we'll hold each other accountable to have good attitudes uh, and behavior. And there's some examples on how you can do that. And finally, there's turning point, the section that has some thoughts on prayer, what you can pray for. Everybody's got a copy? Handouts all given? Perfect. Thank you. So there's a section on prayer, and we're going to pray that through this morning before we uh, dismiss. And uh, I will lead us in a time of prayer for that. Before we get into prayer... I just want to make an announcement that I forgot to do earlier and I actually didn't bring it with me. Uh, I'm just happy to announce the bans of marriage between Arun Samuel David. He's a member of our church. Uh, he's a son of Reverend D. Anandan and Mrs. Prasanna Anandan. And uh, he will be getting married with Yasha Kumar, who's a member of Jesus Savior Lutheran Church in Bangalore. Uh, Yesha is the daughter of Mr. Anchal Kumar and Mrs. Anita Kumar. Uh, the wedding will be solemnized at St. John's Church here in Bangalore on the 19th of September. So if any of you know of any, to, any reasons why these two young people should not be joined in marriage, please give it in writing to the church office. They're going to pray for them. I'm not sure if Arun is here this morning. Arun, if you're here, you can just stand up. No. Oh, Arun is Okay, great. Uh, let's pray for Arun and Yesha. Let's just pray for them. Father, we bless Arun and Yesha as they prepare for their marriage, as they prepare for their wedding. We pray your blessing on the life ahead of them, that together they will build a strong home. Uh, godly home, that their marriage, Lord, will be filled with your blessing, joy, peace, and strength. And use them, Lord, we pray, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Arun. Thank you. Sorry for not making it earlier in the service. Could we all stand up to our feet, please? I'll call our worship team up. This morning... I just want to call all of us to the standard set for us in God's word. To have Christ-like attitudes, a spirit-controlled temperament, and a word-governed behavior. This applies to everything in life, but especially we're talking about in the context of marriage and family, how we relate to your spouse, how you relate to your children. And I want us to take this time, this few moments here before we dismiss. For each one of us to pray and say, God, could you help me get there? I realize none of us can say we are perfect, we are there, we have arrived. But we can always pray and say, take me up higher, God. Take me up higher. In my attitudes, it will be Christ-like. Like what is described for me in scripture. In my temperament. That I will reveal the nature and character of the Spirit of God. That in my behavior, I'll be aligned to the Word. Could we all just pray? And Father, we, as a community of believers, Stand before you this morning. Being aware of the standards you've called us to live by, Lord. Aware of the life you've called us to live. Not a life that's conformed to the patterns of this world, but a life that conforms to the image of Christ. The attitudes, the temperament, the behavior. we're asking, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, you bring about that transformation in each of our hearts, in each of our lives. We submit. We surrender. And We ask for your help to become what you want us to become. To have those attitudes, those positive attitudes of joy and peace and kindness and faith and hope and love. To have those attitudes. To have that spirit-controlled attempt. to have behavior that truly reflects Jesus. We submit. We ask for your help. Even as we look to you this morning to that work in us. Change us so that our marriages can be changed, our homes can be changed. Change our hearts. Change our
0: homes. I'll e For anybody
1: would like to ask Jesus to come into their lives and make them new creation. The Bible says that if any person is in Christ, they become a new creation. It's the beginning of something amazing. The old passes away; the old is gone; the new comes. The Lord Jesus Christ forgives us our sins. He brings us into the family of God, makes us sons and daughters of God. And he, he changes us at the very core in our hearts, giving us His life, His nature, and then begins to change everything else in our lives. Is anyone here this morning, you've never up until this time asked Jesus to come into your life? make you a new person forgive you your sins to make you a child of God if you've never done that in your life I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now and you could pray this with me and Jesus will do it for you let's just close our eyes please and if there's anybody here this morning and you'd like to do this there's a tug in your heart there's a feeling inside you that says I want to become a new person I need to become a new person This morning you've heard Jesus Christ can make you a new person. Would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a new person. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you for the rest of my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for doing it. Amen. Is there anyone here you prayed this prayer for the very first time? You prayed this prayer with me this morning, right now? If you don't mind, you can just raise your hand up. Anybody, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. I see one hand up there. Anybody else? Two. Wonderful. One, two. Anybody else? Anybody else? Three. Anybody else? Just keep your hand up. Our creators will come and give you a bag. Uh, One right up here in front. Just put your hand up. Right up here. One up there. Uh, They'll give you a bag uh, that has a set of books. It also has a card that says first steps. It gives you a little instruction on what to do. You've made the most important decision of your life. And asking Jesus to come in and make you a, a, a new person is the resources in that bag will help you grow in this decision, grow in your knowledge of the Lord. So if you prayed this prayer, just make sure you collect this bag uh, before you leave. We call it the New Believers Bag. Take it with you and use what's inside it. We're going to close in prayer. And uh, once we dismiss, if you need prayer, we will be available down here. Please feel free to come. We'll be happy to pray with you personally, minister to you. For those of you who would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, Receive the empowering of the Spirit of God upon your life. You can come and be seated on on the front row here. Uh, We'll be there to minister to you. uh, And just pray with you as well. Let's close please. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. Our Father. And the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit. Be with you. Always in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Christ-like attitudes, spirit-controlled temperament, and word-governed behavior. God bless. Have a great Sunday.
0: We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.